0: It's great to see you all here today. Thank you, uh, Chelsea and worship team, for leading us. Um, I don't know if it's the weather, but I felt when I came in, and maybe it's just me, I felt like, ah, it just feels kind of quiet, subdued. So I went back to Joe Villiano, who's back there, and I said, Joe, can you be, be praying with me that just for energy, for focus? And again, maybe that's me, and maybe it's the feeling of the weather, but I really felt like those songs really helped to focus us on why we're here today and what God has for us. And I think that message of us magnifying God and then asking him to magnify himself through our lives is really what we're, what we're here for today and what we're looking at in this series. We're wrapping up our series on mission with Jesus, and I've titled today's message Shining Like Stars from Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be getting to that scripture in a little bit. I want to give you a little bit of background um, some of you are familiar with this, but I feel like this series is really significant in a lot of ways because it, it really gets at the heart of what I believe God has laid on my heart for our church family. And I think in a lot of ways it gets at the heart of who McBick is and, and what we're, we're, who we're becoming. In 1999, our senior pastor, Ken Hepner began feeling that his time leading our church was coming to a close. And he sensed that God was calling me to succeed him as McBick's lead pastor. Over the following 12 months, our bishop and church board confirmed that calling, and after interviewing me, invited me to become McBick's lead pastor. I had grown up in the church and had served 10 years on our staff in a variety of roles. Um, and, And I sensed God's call to move into the lead pastor role at McBick. But I had some reservations. Reservations like, what would it be like to preach every week? what's it going to be like to be responsible for things that are happening in the church and for people? Would people accept me in this new role after Pastor Ken had so successfully led our church for 16 years? And probably most concerning to me was this question, was McBick ready to move from the more of an inward focus to an outward community focus? And that last question was especially important to me because God had been stirring a growing desire in my heart to see our church move beyond just what happened within these walls into the community. And I'm not saying that that wasn't happening prior to that. Pastor Ken's heart when he came was that McBick would be a community church. And as I've had opportunities to interact with him since then, I said, hey, you remember when you came in 1985, you kept saying, uh, we're going to focus on discipleship that leads to evangelism, and you wanted to see McBick become a community church." And and I believe that that was something that we were really shifting toward. In the months prior to stepping into my new role, I distinctly remember leading our staff at a planning and brainstorming day away from the office. And I remember the drive back, and it was like a half-mile drive, so this wasn't a long conversation. (laughs) But I remember saying, God, are you sure that I'm the person for this role? It really doesn't seem like our staff and church have the same desire to be community focused that I have. God didn't respond audibly. I don't don't recall ever hearing him speak audibly to me, but I knew he was telling me, who McBick is today isn't who it will become, and you're the person I want to lead this church to a different place. Now, some hiccups following Pastor Ken's 16-year pastorate could be expected, and my first five to six years as lead pastor weren't easy ones for me or for our church, but we kept moving toward what God had for us. And as I think back to our church's transition from Pastor Ken to me as lead pastor, I realized that while I sensed God had change in store for us, at that time I had no idea what that change would look like. I had a sense that God was calling us to focus beyond these walls, but I didn't really know what that looked like. On a personal level, my transition into the role of McBick's lead pastor came before I invested 13 years of coaching multiple sports teams that my kids were a part of, came prior to me serving in various capacities uh, in service organizations in our community. It came before I began serving on our local school board. And as a church since 2001, McBick has increasingly kind of seen our facility and grounds as a community center. And we've seen the uh, strong partnership development with our local school district. We've seen missional communities like At the Cross Recovery, Peace Promise, Eternal Hope, and Our Father's Hope begin as well as currently developing ministries focusing on ministry to refugees and foster and adoptive families. And we've seen a growing numbers of individuals embrace the mission that God has for them of partnering with Jesus to do his work in their jobs, in their schools, and in their neighborhoods. And I share that with you not to pat myself on the back and say, hey, what a great job I've done over the time I've been lead pastor, or to give an attaboy to our church. But I want, us to, I want, to, I want to emphasize my conviction that what we've seen unfold at McBick over the past now nearly 25 years is an outgrowth of God's calling for our church family, and I believe is evidence of his blessing resting on us as we've pursued his heart of reaching people who don't know Jesus. Being on mission with Jesus or partnering with Jesus in doing his work, however you choose to word it, reflects God's desire for each of us to share his love with people who don't know him. And throughout this series that we're bringing to a conclusion today to help us envision what being one mission with Jesus looks like, I've had various people from our church family share how they partner with Jesus in doing his work in our world. And my hope in that has been to give you different glimpses of what it could look like. Because it's not going to look the same for any of us. God's created all of us very differently. We are unique. We have different... Places where we work and go to school, or what we do with our the life stage that we're in, different experiences, and yet God's heart for every one of us is that we would be on mission with Him, and I want to continue to emphasize that today. And so today, I've asked Dwayne and Julia Johnson to share with us. You guys can come on up as I kind of introduce you here. Uh, Dwayne and Julia are part of the Grantham Brethren in Christ Church, and they're going to share about a ministry called One Hundred and Eighty Ministry that flowed out of their involvement in that church. They also are, have a lot of strong connections here with McBick. I saw them in the lobby beforehand. You guys didn't need me to walk you around and introduce you to people, right? Um, they know a lot of people here, and a number of you are significantly involved in their ministry. And I wanted them to share this morning briefly how their connection with 180 uh, is really an out, and starting that ministry, is really an outgrowth of what God's done in their lives and being on mission with Him. They're all yours
1: good morning first of all i want to thank you it is always a pleasure to be at mcbick mcbick is our second home Uh, many of you have been a part of our personal journey and also our journey now that we are uh, on mission with jesus at 180 ministries there are so many stories i could share with you of ways that we have seen jesus uh, in in and through the ministry that we're doing and this morning as i was Trying to um, honor the the time limit, uh, God had put a very specific message on my heart, and so a story that uh, just one thing that has happened through 180 Ministries. If you're not aware, we do a ton of things. Um, We do food prep, and we give out hygiene products, and we give out laundry supplies, and we have housing, transitional housing for women, and all of that is fantastic but it has to extend beyond just giving stuff. And so one of the stories that I'd like to share with you is about a young man who came into our building about six weeks ago, completely hopeless and broken, and he was two hours away from being evicted from his home. Now, regardless of how he ended up there, we felt the Lord leading us to meet this this man in, in the space that he was in, and so within two hours, we were able to get to the bottom of the story of where he, how he ended up in this position. He had disconnected from his family and had really caused some tension between himself and his landlord. So the first thing we did was make a call to his landlord. We enabled him and empowered him to have a conversation that he should have had six, six weeks prior. And then we reached out to his father. And then we reached out to the district justice and the constable and he is still in his home today. When this young man walked in, he tells us that he was ready to die. He had no hope, he didn't wanna hear about Jesus, he didn't wanna hear about what God had for him because in his mind, this is what God had for him. So a few weeks ago, we went down to South Carolina to pick up our daughter, and the building was closed for a week. We made sure that this young man was able actually to uh, connect with Flo Hummel who is a part of your congregation, so that he didn't feel alone. And um, we opened the building just last week, and I got up that morning, and I thought, I'll go in an hour and a half early. Like, I'm going to be that person, right? I'm going to go in an hour and a half early. I'll get caught up on some stuff. I had it all worked out what I was going to do. So I stepped through the door. I turned the coffee on. I'm ready to go. And I go over to the door and lift up the blind, and there this young man is sitting on our stoop at eight o'clock in the morning. So he sees me and jumps up, and at that point I'm like, well, I I have to engage, I can't just ignore him. So I opened the door and I said good morning, and my first words were, we're closed for another hour. And the look on his face, it broke my heart. And I heard the spirit say, this is why I brought you in early this morning. And so I remember, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and he turns to me, and he says, yeah, but I have to work at 11. That's three hours across the street. (laughs) So I knew he was there for more, that he needed connection. He wanted to be in that place where he knew he was loved and cared for. So I put aside my schedule. I'm still trying to catch up. But we invited him in. The coffee was already going, and he sat in that space for two and a half hours until it was time to go to work. And so oftentimes we think mission, being on mission with Jesus should look a certain way. But if I can leave anything with you today, it's that we have to get up leaving room for the Holy Spirit to move every single day. When, when he left that, that morning, he was so grateful for the time that we set aside for him, that's all he wanted. There wasn't some great big conversation. I didn't fix any huge problem that day. But he knew in that space that he was loved and he was cared for. And he came back three times that day and continues. He shows up at our building every day for conversation and love. And I will tell you, our community, friends, we have a whole community that is filled with people that are just lonely. So the stuff is great, but there is a next step. And we are honored to be able to be a part of that next step. Jesus is already there. We're just joining him in the work that he's doing. And so many of you are such a part of that. McBick is a huge part of what we're doing. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. I really did a disservice to these guys by saying they had three to four minutes, but um, we have other people sharing, and I have a sermon to preach. Um, If you ever get a chance to hear their story, you'll understand more fully how 180 is an outgrowth of what God's done in their lives. Uh, I I couldn't help but catch glimpses of them as they were worshiping behind me and the songs that we were singing, and I was just thinking about how you guys have experienced the freedom and the power of Jesus Christ in your lives. And uh, so to see them carry out this ministry that connects with people who are like who they were and where they were is just an incredible thing. So you guys did awesome at keeping the time. Thank you so much. Dwayne won't be here in the second service. He actually told me he's going over to CLA. One of the guys that he's been working with is getting baptized over there. Um, So this is just a great ministry. Um, and just really thankful for, for all they do in our community and for those of you who, who support them and, and work with them. I want to invite you now to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, this is a, a chapter, a section of Scripture that I really feel like captures um, the heart of God's calling for our church. Throughout this series, I've been preaching from Jeremiah 28 and 29, kind of an odd passage, maybe, to uh, talk about in an Unmission with Jesus series. But in Jeremiah 28 and 29, the Israelites are going into and then are in captivity in Babylon. They thought it was going to be a short stay, and so they uh, are ready to basically shut their eyes, grit their teeth, and just get through it until they get back to their homeland. But God tells them through the prophet Jeremiah, no, you're going to be there for 70 years. And so while you're there, build houses, plant gardens, have children, see those children married off. And then he said something that had to stun them. He said, I want you to pray for the city and pray for the people that they'll be blessed. Because if they're blessed, when they're blessed, you'll be blessed. And we've been using that as kind of an analogy for God's call for us. That in the situations where we are and the people that we interact with, God's call is not just to huddle up with other Christians and go off in the corner and and wait for heaven. His call is for us to engage, to be connected with him and have his Holy Spirit working through us, but to be blessing and praying for people and for the city, the communities in which we live. Now, the last section of Jeremiah 29 I was going to look at, I looked at it this week, and I'm like, it's all about the curses of what will happen if they didn't do it. And I thought, I really don't want to preach on that. Um, I mean, basically, God says, I'll bless you if you bless them. And then he said, but if you don't bless them, here are the things that are going to happen. So just take my word for it, right? That's what God says there. I want to focus on Isaiah chapter 58, because these words are, are really powerful. And I want to read verses 6 through 14 of Isaiah 58. Essentially, God's saying through Isaiah that he's tired of their fasting and their religious rituals that don't ultimately lead them to care for others and pursue justice. And I don't think it's doing a disservice to translate that, fast-forward that to our situation and say, God loves when we come together to worship him. He's happy when we connect in our Bible fellowship groups. I think he takes delight in our children's ministry and our youth ministry. But if all that our church does is stop at blessing people who come here and people who already know Jesus, I think God kind of gets tired of that. Because he says our worship, our connecting with other believers, our being in community with other brothers and sisters, what we're taking in from the scripture, the result of that should be justice. The result of that should be caring for the needs of others. And that's really what he's sharing here in Isaiah 58. I'll pick up at verse 16. Verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's God's promise for his people. I believe that's God's promise for his church. I believe that's God's promise for each of us when we pursue caring for people and meeting the needs of those who are broken and hurting. Because that's God's heart. And the primary way that he's chosen to fulfill his mission of reaching people who don't know him is through you and through me. And his promise to us is that as we do that, he'll pour his blessing upon us. I can't help but read that scripture and think of the ministry that you guys do at 180, because a lot of it's captured in that verses. And I know just from hearing your story and from seeing the way God is blessing that ministry, um, I see that that chapter being fulfilled in your lives, in your family, in your in your ministry. So thank you for that. Jesus' heart for you and me is not simply that we would attend to our own wants and desires, and it's not that our church would just focus on ourselves. His heart is that we would share the grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that each of us have experienced with others. McBick's mission is very simply experiencing Jesus and sharing his love. And I'm convinced that's what our church is called to be about and what each of us is called to pursue in our personal lives, experiencing Jesus and sharing his love. The video that I have to share with you this morning features Kristen Kristen Slaybaugh. Kristen is a professor of nursing at Messiah University's graduate program. And I've asked her on this video to share how she lives on mission with Jesus.
2: So I'm Kristen Slaybaugh. I work as a nurse practitioner and I'm the coordinator of the doctoral nursing programs at Messiah. So I've been at Messiah working as a nurse practitioner for 13 years and in my current role for the last six years. So right now I'm working with all graduate students and they are working nurses doing a graduate program. So they're doing life, they're getting married, they're having babies, they're getting deployed, uh, all seasons of life and a wide variety of ages from you know, mid-20s up until 50s and 60s. In the fall of 2013, I was working at Messiah as a full-time faculty member. I was working part-time as a nurse practitioner It was my first semester of a doctoral program. I had a two year old. I was eight months pregnant and we had a total loss house fire. I emailed my faculty member to say, I'm not going to be able to submit my assignments on time. And I got a response back that said, it's five points deduction for every day that it was late. And that was a hard moment, but God said to me kind of almost simultaneously, this is now your mission to support students through graduate school, to be their cheerleader, to be their support person, and to help them to know that they can do hard things, but they have to have support and somebody to come alongside of them. For me, really living on mission with God in this capacity, uh, is, is to live out Galatians, Galatians 6.2, which says carry each other's burdens. And so understanding the role, um, knowing really what the experience is like from a nurse standpoint, but also from being a patient, understanding the late nights and the exhaustion and the extra workload that comes along with being a student and a mom at the same time. It's really a role shift in two ways. Uh, You're learning a new role in your family, but then also learning a new role professionally And those are two difficult things to do independently and also at the same time. So I think kind of coming alongside of them to to bridge the gap between the two and help to figure out how to intertwine them together is really where I find my mission to be. I find myself really being available 24-7. So I will quite often get phone calls and text messages late into the night early in the morning, I'm on Zoom a lot, I'm meeting with students a lot. It's in those moments of building relationship one-on-one that I feel like you can really impact people long-term. Trust is developed between the student and the faculty member, like I'm always available um, for you and I think they learn that over time. So what I've found is that through developing those long-term relationships, I'm able to keep that um, after they graduate I think one of the things that's most intricate about God's spirit is how he walks with us through hard things. Even though God is sovereign and walking through hard things with us, he also partners with community to walk alongside people in sort of a, a trio mentality. So I find myself kind of being the person walking alongside of them. I'm not giving them all the answers, but I'm often just saying, I hear you and what does God say about this? Alone is a really hard feeling. Even if you know that God is there, alone is still really hard. My ministry goal is just to be part of that community so that as God walks with us, you know, I'm also walking with that person. Not all graduate students are Christians, so there is opportunity there as well to show them a little glimpse of what it means to walk out God's love and introduce them to him.
0: Thank you, Kristen. In addition to uh, what she shared in the video, Kristen has been part of our church board here at McBick for the past five years, I guess. And especially during COVID, she was our assistant chair for a while, my assistant chair on the board. And especially during COVID, was just a great resource for us as a church as we try to navigate how we, how we, you know, Walk through COVID. Um, What's really cool about the people that I've asked to share, whether by video or in person, all I told them was, I want you to talk about what it looks like for you to live on mission with Jesus. That was it. And I knew from knowing those people that what they would share would really be at the heart of what the message that I wanted you to receive. And the really cool thing is that there are dozens of other people throughout this room here this morning that I could have asked to share. Because many of you are pursuing that. And again, my heart in that is just to give you glimpses of what it looks like to be on mission with Jesus. Um, I don't know if she's in this service, but I also want to thank Lizzie Villiano. Lizzie edited all the videos that we've used. And so if you just want to give her a hand. I know her dad is here. So he can at least pass that on to her. I don't know if she'll be here second. Is she with her mom today? Okay. So she won't be here, but if you get a chance, you can thank her. Um just for her, for her work in that. This morning's sermon, as I've said, is the fourth and final message in our series, and I've titled it, Shining Like Stars, based on the Apostle Paul's words to the Philippian church in Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. And in that place, we read these words, "'Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure,' Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. It's probably not a new scripture to you if you've been around McBick. I, I know I preached on that not too long ago, or at least referred to it in a message. And I love that verse because it talks about how we shine brightly in a dark world. Um, we can't see stars other than the sun, as somebody reminded me during the day, but as things get dark, stars become very bright. And that's a great word for us, I believe, as followers of Jesus, because when things get tough or when things are dark, we tend to want to shrink back and feel like, I'm not sure when I want to go into that. And yet it's in that space that we shine the brightest as Jesus Christ lives in us and works through us. During the series, I've mentioned a number of times that the culture we live in has come, become increasingly resistant, uninterested, and at times even hostile toward Jesus and his followers. For some of us, that's been hard to accept, especially when we compare it to the way things might have been 30 or 50 years ago. I regularly hear complaints from Christians about what a shame it is that Jesus and the Bible and prayer have been removed from the public square, and, and particularly from public schools. Last week, Pastor Jen shared with us from her experience volunteering twice a week at Broad Street Elementary, she told a story of a boy she mentored who was in a difficult place, and uh, her care for that student opened the door for her to pray with the boy's teacher in the school lobby. I'm guessing some of you were surprised that Pastor Jen had that opportunity. As someone who cares deeply about families in our community and our schools, I was blessed by Jen's testimony, and it mirrors my own experience. Each semester for the past five years or so, our district superintendent and administrators have met with members of our pastors network. And about a year ago, sometime last year, we were meeting, and it was right after the Uvalde shooting. And there were about four or five administrators at the school and eight or ten pastors Dr. Lighty, our superintendent, was sharing um, at the beginning of the meeting how difficult situations like that are because they remind us that we're all vulnerable at some level and that there's only so much we can do to protect ourselves. And he said it just kind of brings to the surface the danger that's out there. And as he said that, I really felt, man, I'd, I'd love to pray over him and this group of administrators, but I wanted to be sensitive to um, just his protocol and how he felt about that. And so at some point in the meeting, I just kind of walked up behind him and said, hey, would you mind if I just prayed over you? He's like, sure. So at the end of the meeting, he kind of nodded at me, and I just had a chance to pray blessing over him and our school administrators. And not long after that, I think that was in maybe the spring of the year, and the next fall, there was an incident at one of our schools where a student had a gun, and that was just very traumatic, and there doesn't seem to have been intent to harm anyone, but you know, it raises the level of anxiety for everyone and I know the principal of that school, so I called and asked him if I could stop by just to talk with him. And when I went to meet with him, he had brought in his assistant principal and another staff member. And I had a chance just to listen to them. I mean, they were very emotional to, to share Scripture with them. And then said, can, can I pray for you? And just had a chance to pray for them in his office. And so my experience has been as I've had that opportunity to build relationships, and again, I think Jen illustrated that as well, those doors are open. We can still pray for people we can still minister jesus love we can still be his salt and his light in our community every one of us no matter of our age the length of time we've been a follower of jesus our personality or the specifics of our job situation can shine like stars but for some of us being on mission with jesus when i talk about that sounds scary and intimidating or perhaps you simply can't envision what that looks like for you. After last Sunday's service, I had a conversation with Doris Barr. Doris, you can kind of make your way up here. Um, Doris uh, retired from McBick as a pastor after 23 plus years in 2016. Um, it, but she still, I think, deserves to be called pastor. I still call her Pastor Doris. She shared a great insight with me. And I asked if she'd be willing to share that with us today and... Uh, Just let her speak from her heart about what she's been hearing. It's all yours.
3: So what I shared with Pastor Lane after church last Sunday is that when I hear him challenge us to be on mission with Jesus as a retired pastor, I often wonder how this message is hitting my peers and even some of you in the audience who might not be retirement age but are less inclined to be activists and more kind of quiet behind the scenes people because that's how I identify myself. So um, when I hear all the messages about outreach ministries and in the schools and in sports teams and all that, I love those messages, I love those testimonies. So I have sometimes struggled at this stage in my life feeling like what I do doesn't matter all that much and isn't all that important. And as I've sat and listened to the Lord, he reminded me of a few things. So I want to share a bit of my story in hopes that it might inspire and encourage and motivate you to serve in very natural and intentional ways in your neighborhood. Dave and I have lived in the same place for nearly 27 years, We live in a very multi-generational neighborhood with families of all ages as well as some other retired people like ourselves. When I started to spend more time at home after retirement, I realized just how much I enjoyed our neighborhood and all the relationships we've built in these 27 years. I love that I now have time to have longer conversations with my 95-year-old neighbor, Shirley, who walks a mile most every day. I enjoy walking, and I intentionally pray over the schools and over the neighborhood. We happen to live between two schools in the neighborhood. And so when I walk by those schools, when I drive by those schools, I pray for the people I know who who serve on staff, uh, many of them here from McBick. Each morning and afternoon during the school year, we have quite a parade, usually about 15 to 17 buses by our house in a few moments. And so I intentionally sometimes just make a point when I hear the buses start to go and sit in the front porch and pray over those bus drivers and over the children I see in in the buses and over their families, asking God to, to just pour out his blessings over them. Several years ago, a tragedy hit our street when the the young adult son of one neighbor drowned in the pool of another neighbor. We knew the parents of the young man who drowned, and we knew that they were believers, and so we reached out to love and support them in those days. A memorial service was held at one of the churches in town, and the day of the service, as Dave and I parked, I noticed that right in front of us, there was another neighborhood couple getting out of their car, and they were visibly distraught and upset by this tragedy. So Dave and I walked with them into the church. There was a long line. It was awkward for them because they don't go to church, and we had the opportunity in those few moments just to help bring some peace to them and to have conversation, and then to sit with them in that church service. I'll never forget that day to sit there with neighbors up and down our street, celebrating God's ministry to this family and the life of the son who had passed. Later, we all got together in the backyard of the neighbor, neighbors who had lost their son, and it was just a very special day for us to connect with our neighbors. On another occasion, my friend Shirley, my neighbor Shirley, told me that the man next door to her, his name was Don, had had a major heart attack. Now, at first, I thought, I don't even know them. And then I remembered that I met Don and Linda at the, the, when Shirley's husband had passed a number of years earlier. And so when I knew that Don was home from the hospital, I called the house just to check how they were doing and to say, you know, I've been praying for you. Is there anything we can do? Well, a few weeks, months later, I'm not sure how long it was, I walked in the lobby one morning, and John King met me, and he said, Hey, your neighbors are here. They're asking for you. I'm like, What? Who? (laughs) Those neighbors are Don and Linda Slosser. They're sitting right here. Would you just stand and let everybody see who you are? So, Don's story isn't mine to tell. You can be seated. Thank you, Don and Linda. Don's story isn't mine to tell, but those of you who have been around a while recognize him as a guy who was baptized Easter of that year, and I got to pray a prayer blessing over him. You see, his heart attack was a wake up call from God, and he knew he needed to be back in church. They didn't know me very well but apparently they knew where I had pastored. I don't even know how they got here, but it wasn't because I knocked on their door and invited them. A guiding verse for my life in this season of retirement is Acts 17:28. In him, in Christ, we live, we move and have our being. It isn't so much for me about being active in all kinds of ministries anymore, perhaps, but just being a presence that brings the light and the power and the beauty of Christ into our world.
0: Amen. Thanks, Pastor Russ. I want to invite the worship team to come up as I wrap up here. And Doris, thanks so much for sharing with us how really all of us can be on mission with Jesus. As we move to our response time, I pray that the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, that Jesus has sparked your mind with ideas of what it looks like for you to embrace his calling. And again, this week, as we did last week, I want to give a chance for two responses. If you're here, first of all, and you're part of the prayer team or part of our church board or staff or somebody who shared your testimony during the series, I want to invite you to kind of gather along the wall and a couple of you here in the front. And if you, any of the rest of you, would like, you can go ahead and get in position there. Uh, if, if any of the rest of you would like to pray with somebody about something that God's put in your heart, uh, feel free to go, for, go to them for prayer. I'm also at the end, after our song that we sang, a song called um, Speak Like Jesus? What's Speak Jesus, thank you. Um, after we sing that song, I want to invite you to, to, if you'd like, just to step out in the aisle and gather here at the front. I'd love to pray just a prayer of commissioning and blessing over you as people who are embracing Jesus' call to be on mission with him. So let me just pray for you quickly, and then we'll sing together. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've shared with us today. I thank you for your word, for the testimonies we've heard from Julia and Duane and from Kristen and from Doris. Uh, God, speak to the heart of each of us. Help us understand in a fresh way what your calling and your mission is for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.